No, that's that's completely uh, reasonable. I mean, uh, seeing seeing one SPG uh, doing the routine inside inside the vehicle, it, it's not uh, nearly enough to uh, nearly enough to give us a complete picture. And uh, as you pointed out, they could be uh, doing uh, doing some of the uh, the loading by by hand just to give a give a more dramatic effect to the whole whole thing. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> we'll wait and see for more of the uh, the you know the Panzer two thousand videos because I think that'll be very interesting um, to hear how effective they are because I think you know they're way more mechanized and they can put five or six rounds in the same spot in about a minute or so. So really, a devastating amount of firepower. Um, but yeah, no, I'm trying to think. There was one other thing here. Yeah, so if it, going back a second here, you know, where are they going to continue to get more howitzer support? So we saw yesterday there was an, an announcement from President Biden about this certain number of artillery systems and everything else. People got really excited because they thought that was a brand new shipment. Alas, it was just, you know, him describing all the things that have been given so far. So as we move forward, you know, Ukraine was gifted, I believe, 18 of these crabs from Poland, and then they bought another 56, but I was just going to ask, I know Mache is in here, what the status of those other 50 were for the purchases, if they had arrived yet, or if they were still in route or still being worked out exactly the, the details. Right. And I think there was a tweet, uh, I don't remember who it was, but uh, there was a thread about uh, uh, all the artillery su- system suppliers to Ukraine and the uh, the production status that only only France had uh, announced that they were actually uh, ramping up their production of Caesars. I think you commented on that threat too. Well, this is what was interesting and a little bit unclear, and it really has to do with what Eastern Europe has given and um, continues to give, because this is not, you know, it's not really an English language news. And what do I mean? Well, we had been tracking here in the Walter Report and talking quite openly about what was, you know, the public information regarding uh, the donations of equipment or the selling of equipment. And with this math and all these open declarations, we had calculated about 250 artillery pieces and about 400,000 artillery rounds. But then yesterday we come to find that actually 500 have been given and 600,000 artillery rounds. And so I have to believe that that missing number was the sort of uh, uncountable Eastern European Soviet stockpile that was released to Ukraine very early on in the war from, I believe, Czechia, Poland, and a couple other countries where they just kind of shuffled over some things like right in the beginning. And, and that kind of made a difference in um, holding the line until, you know, better, newer equipment could come in. But I'm, I'm still looking into it right now. Right. Yeah. And and obviously, uh, quite a few countries uh, are very cir- circumspect on the uh, manner of uh, how, how they give out the information or if they give out information at all, except to say that, you know, we're providing these we're providing something and uh, we're not telling you anything more. Which is why, uh, Antti, I want to ask you a question about Finland. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, hit me. So, you know, we, we know, I will just stay with Finland, right? So Finland, as far as I know, has been very open with its support of Ukraine from the beginning, right? Giving a yeah. very significant yeah. number of, of weapons, in fact, um, of a, a very high quality. So my yeah. question, question for you, though, is, you know, if we look at other, let's say, NATO countries, right, they've they may be given more heavy equipment. So I wonder, you know, when Finland joins NATO, is there an appetite there politically or militarily to give some more heavy equipment? And you know what I'm talking about. It's some of their incredible artillery because now hear me out right under the blanket or the cooperation with 
with NATO, you know, Finland will have the support of, you know, that United States uh, carrier group, you know, all the different countries, air forces, they don't necessarily need um, 100% of the artillery to, to hold off Russia. They might, you know, they might be able to make do with 98% of it. You know what I mean? I'm just curious what yeah, the thoughts of yeah. the Finnish public are. Uh, well, the one one thing I would I would add to that before before responding is that I actually I saw saw a news headline. I didn't have time to read the article, but there was there's apparently been uh, uh, between uh, Finland and UK there that uh, UK in one manner or another actually is providing Finland with Article Five uh, level protection already. Which, if that's actually the case, that's fantastic. But uh, Okay. To your question, uh, Andy, I'll just yeah. jump in. So Boris Johnson did, uh, they signed a uh, mutual defense cooperation pact, um, and it was meant to, uh, I mean, it, it's very hard. I mean, I'm not saying it's symbolic. Part of it is symbolic. The, the question is what yeah. would Britain do in the meantime, but it's definitely a good thing. Uh, is it NATO protection? No, but is it definitely a sign to the Russians, hey, we're putting our money where our mouth is with respect to um, to Finland and don't play around. I think that's a fair assessment. Right. I yeah. Just to, yeah. I just wanted to clarify that. So yes, there was yeah. an act and it wasn't an acted, but it was saying if someone attacks you, we will defend you as a great person. Yeah, that, that's a good in- interjection. Thanks. Thanks. Sorry, Thanks, Yehuda. Uh, so uh, with regard to heavy equipment and Finland's desire to maybe... Uh, Give out more than that's that's already been given. Uh, what, what, well, one of the problems in in assessing that is is of course that uh, we know of the first two uh, batches of equipment that there was a uh, basically small arms and other equipment for a single brigade, and that and that there was uh, also a whole host of non-lethal aid also given, but uh, the last. At, at least as far as I remember, the last four batches of uh, military aid, we know not basically nothing except for the part that there was a very, very nice image. Uh, I think that was like a, maybe three weeks or a month ago about uh, uh, it was a uh, Ukrainian uh, or sorry, uh, originally U.S. M triple seven being loaded up with a with a Finnish one five five shell, which was a nice indication that uh, uh, I think. That you can you can take two things from that. For one is that uh, Finland has given artillery shells, which I think, uh, and that that by itself also means that uh, we are confident enough in our stockpile of shells that we are actually giving uh, artillery shells to Ukraine. Because I would think that if we are giving them some, that we are giving them enough that. Uh, we're not going to be embarrassed to later on when it inevitably comes out that, okay, we've given them like a thousand shells, which would be ludicrous. So I would, I would hope and uh, estimate that it's, it's something sizable enough to make at least some sort of difference. And uh, I would also say that our, um, the chief of our armed forces uh, stated uh, quite unequivocally i think that was maybe la- that was last week that finland is uh w- is able to uh, fight uh, a war 
of, uh, of the type that is being waged in Ukraine right now. So that tells me that our stockpiles of uh, not only uh, heavy equipment, but also of artillery shells, both for uh, the heavier ar- artillery pieces, but also for mortars are, shall we say, in shape to be able to actually sustain sustain the ammunition ex- expenditure that's, well, quite heavy in this kind of war warfare. So uh, I would think that uh, uh, the, the issue is that uh, the first line of uh, artillery we currently yield is mostly already on the NATO standard, and the second line of equipment that's been eased off uh, at least uh, since since I was in the military, and that was oh Christ, almost two decades ago now, uh, which was uh, still on the uh, more Soviet uh, one two two and one fifty two uh, shell, and uh, I would think that those are the ones that would be the most um, easiest for us to depart with. And but the problem obviously is that uh, Ukraine actually uh, would prefer obviously to get uh, NATO equipment uh we do have uh, uh, the good thing is that we do have domestic artillery production uh, of uh, 155 uh, howitzers uh, i don't know the uh, the scale of the pr- production and how easy easy or hard it would be to ramp it up at least i haven't se- seen any news of that and i i would doubt very much that i would even that there would be news about it such a thing were to occur uh, so, uh, in, clu- in conclusion to all this rambling, I would say that uh, if there was some concrete measure of uh, extra uh, military support within, uh, say, uh, easy distance, uh, when push came to shove and uh, there would be a more urgent need for even more heavier equipment that I would say that is currently already we're we're already there I would say that we do have still some capacity to uh, to be able to acquiesce Uh, but uh, one one thing is that uh, with regard to our uh, South Korean uh, K9s I'm not too sure if we can uh, I'm pretty sure that we don't have much capacity to uh, be able to uh, send those out to, uh, shall we say, another user to uh, to make a euphemism out of it. But uh, so I, I do believe we have some extra capacity, but uh, it is it is limited. But the, the thing that worries me, of course, is that uh, Finland has been keeping its preparedness up to a standard where we can still fight uh, a war of a continental scale that's uh, that has heavy artillery shell and other um, ammunition expenditure. But uh, from what we have learned in the past uh, few months is that uh, I still, I, I, I really have sadly some doubts about quite a few NATO countries on that score. And I think that's, that's even a more crucial concern than, uh, uh what what Finland can provide and what we will provide, because I have no doubt that we will still provide more assistance to Ukraine. That that is for cert- certain, no matter the form of it. Does that answer your question, CJ? Yeah, of course. And I just want to again be a hundred percent clear. I'm not insinuating, you know, Finland hasn't done enough for Ukraine or anything like that. But uh, no, no, no. 
you did a very good job of, of kind of painting the picture of how, you know, how, you know, having a security agreement with the West at first. And then, of course, with NATO later on, will provide some opportunities and that there's some older capacity of still effective weapons and ammo that um, could be brought. I mean, really, just was what I was trying to get at, too, is kind of the example that, you know, of course, Finland doesn't necessarily have that many people, but they have a large yeah. land border to cover. And to solve yeah. this, you know, quintessential problem, they turn to artillery before anything else. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah. But they're, they're therefore in the capacity to possibly give, you know, older artillery, which will, as you yeah. know, of course, make a huge difference on the Ukrainian battlefield. Yeah. So thank you for that answer. Yeah. And I, I would add to that, too, is that uh, besides artillery, we do have also production capabilities with small arms. And uh, I also remember out of uh, recollection is that we have, uh, even though most of our small arms are within NATO standard, that we at least did have stockpiles of uh, more Soviet standard uh, small arms. So, uh, because we have production capability ourselves, ourselves also with uh, with the regard to ammunition is that uh, that is also one uh, aspect of which we we might be able to assist Ukraine and let's be frank uh, NATO as well because clearly uh, there are deficiencies to be made up and uh, when we do join NATO the stronger Finland is the stronger NATO is though those become uh, one one thing the same thing sorry I'm back yes sorry CJ I didn't understand what's going on, but I'm back. I had to lift a very large iron planter and then uh, get the gun out. Uh, so Madeline's had her hand raised for a long time. She's been very patient. So uh, go ahead, Matt. I forgot my question, though. <laughs> um, I, I'm wondering why is Germany so quiet? They, they are not talking about their artillery or what they are give. They give Yeah, they give small things, I know. But they don't talk about uh, the heavier weapons, even not on the news or something like that. They keep avoiding that. Is that maybe there is some secrecy that they're going to give or something like that? I don't know. But they don't want it in the open. Well, I mean, you know, they, they did have a huge press conference earlier this week, or sorry, press release, not a press conference, where they had their journalists in Ukraine running around in there, all their heavy equipment they've given. So... I'm not quite sure what you're referring to. No, I mean, no, no. Uh, on the news of Germany, on the news, they 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 did they didn't talk about the uh, the big uh, the big uh, artillery, and they and there was also a debate, and they were talking about if they wanna if they think that uh, Ukraine is gonna take back all the country the. Maripool and and the others, they lost, and Germany thinks that um, it it's gonna cost too much to to on on equipment to take it back to take that country back. They had a discussion on that. Well, okay, you know the German government though has has you know signed and and worked with the United States and other NATO countries to not only give tens of thousands of rounds of ammunition, but you know, the first initial seven um, Panzer artillery pieces and then uh, parts and equipment for much more. So it seems by their actions that, you know, Germany is committed to seeing this thing through to the end. So I, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure what's on German TV or I think German I can, politicians. I can, 
CJ, thank you for yourself. Madeleine, Madeleine, I am yes. German. Okay. When you watch a German talk show, it doesn't matter on which channel, it does not reflect oh, government German, policy. Then. I understand. But if you watch a German talk show or some German news, it does not necessarily reflect uh, both the position nor the overall understanding of the German government. For all its faults, that is not necessarily reflected in a talk show or in a news report. But specifically as German, specifically, Madeleine, I'm not finished. Oh, I'll tell you when oh. I'm finished. I've okay. listened to you, you listen to me. Okay, sorry, sorry let me be sorry. kind to you. Thank you. We, we had this discussion before a few weeks ago, if you remember. So, yet again, um, I fully understand and appreciate that people have concerns, specifically when in mass media, some opinions come up which sound arcane and you are unusually uh, defeatist. That happens. However, that does not reflect the position of the government. The government, under pressure from its international partners and upon request of Ukraine, is gradually, very slow, but gradually turning around to support more and more how Ukraine, with its own capacity, can take back its sovereign territory. If and when, and this is freedom of speech, if and when some people on television or on radio have different opinions, this is the benefit of the West. We can tolerate this, but it does not reflect in any shape or form government policy, and we should leave it at that. Uh, Louis, you, uh, presume, I presume you've been listening to the same kind of open debate in Germany. I think you can confirm that. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you pointed it uh, exactly uh, the way it is. It's the West, so uh, freedom of speech. What we have to do <clears throat> is to tell uh, everyone, uh, including the government, what the people want and uh, that's a kind of thing that we are able to do here in the West. So if there is, of course, there are many shows uh, where I can throw my television out of the window, but uh, I, uh, I would need a new television every uh, week. So <laughs> we have to uh, tell our views and uh, uh, the people demands uh, to the government. And uh, that's exactly what we are doing here and uh, everywhere elsewhere. But it was the government who was on the television. The different governments, they were debating on the themselves what and what not. So, Matt, on which government? Who was doing that? Why don't you the, give the specific? German, the, German, the German government. No, 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 they, no, 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 no. Stop, Madeline. Who in the German government? No, no, no. Yes, the CDU. Uh, there was um, the... Um, yeah. Hold on, Madeline. I'm, try I'm trying to I'm trying to get to the bottom of this for your sake. Yes. Who, who, who in the German government? You must be a human being, not a robot, right? So who yes. said something, right? It's I don't know the name. We've, we've got German experts here, and they're telling you ah, something that's... different, right? Okay. But you're saying, hey, the German government. You're talking about the German government, and then people don't know what you're talking about. And, and you're telling us you don't know either. So maybe you have a name, or what does he look like? Blonde, um, blue eyes, There was, uh, there was one colonel. There was one from the city. Um, no, I, I know I can't, can't come. Can't the city, eh? You know what? I'd love to hear who it was. When you get a chance, if you go find it, go find it and let us know. Sound good? Then we can, we can properly dissect it. Oh, uh, right? okay. Thank sense. you. Thank you so much. Awesome, Madeline. Uh, John, 
Yeah, thanks, Paul. Um, quick question for Axel. I've been listening most of the day and I haven't heard this mentioned, so I'm sorry if it's been covered already. Um, Axel, the Der Spiegel article yesterday, um, which was alleging via some, some unattributed quotes from Lithuania um, that Schultz is trying to lean on Lithuania via Brussels uh, in order to basically get these sanctions measures dropped um, and allow the transit of goods back through to Kaliningrad overland. Um, I just wondered what the what the reality was. Thanks. Uh, as the host, I have no idea. Uh, does anyone on the panel want to speak to that? I Maybe I can say a few words to, to it. Um, there are indeed, I also read a few articles that uh, German uh, has the point of view that uh, it would be if um, the deliveries to Kaliningrad would be open, it would not affect the sanctions because it's uh, uh, a movement of uh, things from Russia to Russia. Uh, but I do not have the opportunity to check if this is uh, really true. So, um, uh, but yes, there are articles and uh, I think we still have to check if this is really true. All right. Thanks, mate. Because, I mean, just just to make a, a very brief comment on that, it would seem unwise to undermine an EU member and a frontline state who's actually standing firm against Russia um, just for this ludicrous fear of escalation. But anyway, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if it's true, it's uh, a disgrace. Uh, it would be not good. Uh, so... Uh, Let's let's uh, check first, and then we can uh, rant uh, over Charles again. Okay, we've got uh, Auntie's hand up. Go ahead, Auntie. Yeah, thank you. So I wanted to go a little bit more into detail of what kind of uh, heavy equipment I was uh, talking about that Finland might be in a position to uh, to uh, help out with regard to U Ukraine. So. Uh, one of the artillery systems that we had uh, in use until about a decade ago was the uh, 2S5 Giantsint S, which is a 152mm SVG. And uh, as far as I know, they were phased out about a decade ago, but I have no idea what happened to them. So the worst case scenario is that they were just uh, scrapped or... Uh, Resold, but if in a in a good case, they might might have actually kept some in storage. In in that case, uh, there would be no reason not to uh, in a in a, given a suitable situation that they they might be uh, there might be a better use for them. And uh, uh, the other one uh, is a uh, is another SVG, which is. Uh, well, sadly, for uh, in this case for Ukraine, it's still being used, but it's the uh, 2S1 Gvodzidika, uh, which is a 122 millimeter SPG that's already being used by both the Ukrainians and the Russians. But uh, it's still in the inventory currently in Finland. So, and since it's in active use, uh, I'm not sure, too sure of how many they could be able to part with. And uh, 
though obviously it will be phased out in uh, at one point or another because obviously uh it's it's becoming outdated in in current use but uh, so that that those were the two systems i was to- i was uh, referring to and there is also a uh, th- there there's also a 122 millimeter uh, uh, towed artillery piece that's still being used by the uh, Finnish artil- artillery now and if that were to be uh, I think that's on the low scale of uh, Finnish artillery because we also have uh, two 155 millimeter towed artillery systems currently in use so it would make sense that uh, if we were to uh, part with artillery systems it would be uh, of the lighter variety and one of not NATO standard, but obviously the problem is that uh, the utility and the uh, effectiveness of providing those for Ukraine is uh, is limited. So uh, those are just uh, those are the alternatives that uh, came to my mind with actual examples of what Finland might be in a position to provide. But obviously this is just speculation. Thank you. Yeah, and funny to note, not really funny, just like we're talking about a country with uh, you know, such a huge land border with Russia and so few people where this equipment is obviously very vital and uh, kind of in sharp, sharp contrast to uh, Germany, which has a, a much larger military budget and is well protected by numerous other NATO countries and uh, their kind of reluctance to uh, to help. So thank you so much for that description, I think that is, um, could be very helpful to Ukraine one day once everything's worked out. No worries. Thanks, guys. Uh, so we have a new speaker, Tim Scott. Uh, Tim Scott, do you have anything to say about the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Go ahead. Yeah, um, I've been gone for about 10 days on vacation in Minnesota, and I came back. And I want to know what's going on in Ukraine right now. The one thing I can see is that the, the Ukraine army has been pushed back in the east, um, is this an alarming um, concern for us, or is there a um, strategic reason why they're pulling back um, to, to do a counteroffense? Or uh, um, I just kind of want to know what's what's really going on in the situation in the East right now. Thank you. CJ, you want to go for this? Yeah, sorry. Um, I mean, so in the, in the last 10 days, it's been uh, pretty busy. A lot of important, uh, you know, victories for Ukraine and you know, it really is going to be uh, only time will tell if the withdrawal from Srinansk was really key for the Russians or not. I would argue it was not. You know, one thing we talked in the space is that Russia lost about 5,000 people and 200 tanks to take Srinansk and uh, Ukraine you know, did not. So in terms of who still has more combat power in that specific area, Ukraine is still very strong and fighting from other defensive positions. Additionally, in the past uh, week and a few days, Ukraine has taken out anywhere between 30 and 50 uh, fuel and ammo depots on the Russian side with HIMARS and other missiles, uh, severely depleting their or Russia's ability to conduct large offensive operations. Russia also retreated from Snake Island after uh, months of fighting, which is very significant. Russia is also uh, falling back in Kherson as uh, Ukraine begins to encircle the city from the west and is still about 25 to 30 kilometers away from the north. And also... Numerous other new aid packages were promised and some were delivered over the last uh, 10 days, showing the international support and uh, the growing combat power of Ukraine. 
So what, what happened in Snake Island? Why did the, uh, Russia leave the island? Most of the equipment got destroyed in uh, mm-hmm. several rocket strikes, and uh, the remaining soldiers on the island probably weren't able to get enough uh, resupply on the island to, to stay there. That seems to be the uh, general consensus about what happened. What? Wait a minute. Wasn't it a demonstration of goodwill? <laughs> Sorry for that. Will Ukraine go back and put forces on the island? I think probably not. Yeah, Joseph's right. Probably not. I mean, they don't have the ability to really, uh, you know, move. They don't have the Navy right now, obviously, to, to one, be able to move it there. And two, they don't really have a, a purpose, you know, for putting people there because the reality is the island is already very close to the Ukrainian shore. So it's not of as much of value to the Ukrainians as it would be to the Russians. But I mean, who knows? You, you, Ukraine's pretty crafty and uh, pretty smart, you know, as uh, the, the attack on Crimea begins, it, it might be used in some capacity to, to monitor Russian activity. But I don't think in the near term, it's going to be occupied by Ukraine. And I once asked some, yeah, thank you. I once asked some military experts on this uh, space, uh, like, what, what do you guys think Ukraine will do after the war to Snake Island? And they said, you know, render, render it uninhabitable was their words, like put barbed wire on it, put mines on it, like make it so... Next time, Russia would have a difficult time putting a bunch of junk on it, right? I think that's kind of the idea. that It doesn't really help Ukraine to occupy it and put... Because I, I didn't know. Like, I don't have military expertise. I was like, do you have to put guys on it to have it? I don't know. Uh, and they said, no. Render it uninhabitable. That would be the ideal for Ukraine. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for your question. Uh, so we'll move on to uh, Beth. Uh, we haven't seen you uh, add anything to the discussion yet, Beth, so go ahead. Uh, Good morning. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it took me a minute to get on. Good morning, everybody. Here in the United States, it's the 4th of July weekend. And as I listen, not to this space, but as I listen to some people speak about the war in Ukraine and the hardships in the energy sector and food, I always remember that the United States began with a struggle 13 colonies that were thought to be crazy for trying to break away from from the British um, power and strength and the king, unheard of. And it was the Netherlands and Spain and France that helped. France extended loans to these 13 colonies. They had no credit. Uh, France really stepped up with uniforms, weapons, a lot of support. And... I think it was 1782 to 80, no, 1778 to 1782, four long, grueling years, ups and downs. And yet those who supported um, this idea to be free, to want to create a new democracy, somehow had that instinct that these people would be okay on their own. And I'm so proud that the United States is supporting Ukraine. I believe that they are going to be a seed of freedom and democracy for the EU. I believe that Ukraine is going to do important things in the future. And it's the 4th of July here in the United States. I extend that same support and spirit to everyone fighting and supporting Ukraine right now. Thanks, everybody. That's right. As an American, I, I too am uh, proud to support Ukraine. I think they're, uh, they're we're definitely going to be see, see big things from Ukraine in the future. Uh, go ahead, Luis. Luis, I should say. Sorry. Luis, thank you very much. 
Um, I just wanted to clarify something because I'm getting a few messages. Um, I, I think I didn't articulate it me myself uh, good enough uh, as I was talking with Axel. So there is no propaganda show, propaganda zombie show going on here in Germany that we are getting feed uh, daily talk shows with guys that uh, are saying some nasty things about Ukraine or stuff like that. No, absolutely not. Uh, like we said many times here in the space, um, the people itself uh, are in improvement of delivering heavy weapons to Ukraine. It's about um, 65-70%. Uh, of course, we have many talk shows here and uh, um, many so-called specialists or experts. Uh, and there is always uh, or sometimes anyone uh, on the TV that uh, would send uh, to the front line. Uh, but uh, just to clarify, um, German people is supporting Ukraine. Uh, wants delivery of heavy weapons. Um, the government has changed. If you noticed, it has changed a little bit uh, what uh, it was doing the first uh, three months. So uh, we hope and uh, we are seeing changes uh, on the the way the government behaves. So um, it's, like I said, absolutely normal um, and uh, we will keep on putting the pressure on the local officials, politicians, uh, everywhere we can to keep uh, the support for Ukraine going. Thank you, Luis. It's always uh, good to hear from you. Whoops. Sorry, I'm still getting used to this interface, guys. Uh, so uh, we don't have any hands up right now. Uh, we're, we're talking about the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, normally, we have our military experts up here, but uh, it seems like CJ's got to talk to someone about getting his car repaired. Typical CJ. Uh, so I'm going to see, we've got one request here, let me see. CJ has to put uh, his priorities right. I know, right? There's a there's a situation here, CJ, You're getting your car repaired. Uh, so we've got uh, Michael uh, Feldheim, uh, he's connecting right now. Uh, Michael, uh, you're new, new to the uh, discussion, go ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you. I just wanted to address the previous speaker, the woman from America. Um, it's, uh, you know, her sentence that she hopes that Ukraine will be the seat of uh, democracy and freedom and peace. Uh, that sounds very nice, but uh, I just wanted to add that uh, we have freedom and democracy and peace in Europe for a um, hundred years now. And, uh, <laughs> and Putin is the one that brings uh, the shit to Europe and uh, we don't need the seat. We, we have it all. Okay, uh, fair point. I think there's uh, certainly democracy in Europe. I think maybe uh, we were talking about maybe a seed of democracy in Ukraine, or, or that Ukraine will will grow into being a robust democracy. We might say, but uh, I don't know. It's it's not my uh, my metaphor, right? Uh, anyway, uh, I think I think it's a point well taken, sir. Uh, we can go next to uh, uh, Jan Martz. Go ahead, Jan. Okay, I know him. Uh, we'll go to Vic. Go ahead, Vic. Yeah, I want to make a number comment from kind of a Moldavian perspective on the attack on Odessa, or close Odessa on Serhivka, uh, because I think I'm not, uh, there is quite a bit of debate or discussion in the Moldavian society right now about what is the meaning of this, because it's apparently it, it's very close to our borders, but this location, Serhivka, 
it's very close. Uh, I mean, it, it has been a destination for many Moldovans going there. Like if they want to go like summertime uh, on the Black Sea, this has been like a very popular destination for us. Um, so there is some kind of thought that maybe Russia is trying to send some sort of like a, 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 I'm hearing some backer. Ian, you have a hot mic. Yes. So Sorry, I muted him. Go ahead. Uh, by this, yeah, there is the, the debate. Is Russia trying to send a signal for us or not? And uh, one additional point is uh, one of the location that has been impacted is one of a rehab center for children, which is like in uh, under Moldavian uh, Ministry of Health. And uh, there is one uh, dead person, again, Moldovan, and five are wounded as well. So I guess we had like a strong reaction from the our Ministry of Foreign Affairs with respect to, and again, Ministry of Health as well. Yeah, basically, not sure. Is Russia trying to scare us as well? Because again, we are planning to, we're, we're supposed to get some help from European Union as well as NATO in trying to uh, strengthen our army. Uh, so people are kind of speculating of a topic. But yeah, I thought I might share with you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Luis, I think you had your hand up and then we'll go to Antti. So Luis, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um... Um, I, I I just wanted to say, uh, I don't know who talked uh, about the lady from the U.S. Um, and uh, I absolutely back up what, what you just said. Uh, I also wanted to point out that I think, uh, and uh, I'm... I'm here in the space quite often, often if you if you noticed that there are many people around that um, isn't aware that um, this war is going on since 2014 and that in, in 2014 uh, Ukraine also had uh, the Euromaidan so um, the revolution for Maidan and um, that they worked this year still now uh, um, to uh, get rid of corruption, get rid of uh, thugs and stuff like that. And uh, the people should understand this, that uh, um, I, I just um, ended up watching a Winter on Fire about the revolution on the Maidan. And, uh, I mean, people lost their lives uh, on that revolution. They were killed by a sniper, Berkut, a policeman. Uh, the Ukrainians itself absolutely know what they want, and they are fighting for it, uh, actually, just in this moment. Um, that's why uh, people um, should inform and, and they are here to inform, of course, but uh, it's not uh, the war that is going on right now. It's not something new. It's um, something that was prepared uh, from Russia since years ago. And uh, Ukraine is uh, demonstrating every single day uh, since years that they uh, want to be European, that they want to belong to the free world, to the democracy world. So... Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks, Luis. And uh, we have uh, Beth back up, so a couple people maybe had some responses to Beth, so I'm going to give her an opportunity to uh, also respond. Go ahead, Beth. Yeah, thank you. That is the reason why I requested to speak again. My comment was not binary. It wasn't either or. It was more from the sense of, let's say you have a convert to a new religion. That convert brings a different energy and enthusiasm and commitment 
that reinvigorates everybody else. And my, my sense of bringing a new seed is in that spirit, this determination, this commitment, this treasuring of freedom and democracy that Ukraine is demonstrating through their will and their fight. It is already reminding people of values that have sometimes gotten a little squishy. And that was why I made the comment uh, as a seed. So thank you for letting me clarify that. And thank you for um, being here, everybody. Absolutely. And I think based on the clappy hands uh, on the Twitter icons, I think uh, everyone agrees. So uh, thank you for clarifying. Uh, anyone want to add to that uh, real quick? Otherwise, we'll go to... Okay, we'll go to Auntie then. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. So. Uh... Vic, I was wondering now that, now that you're here, uh, has there been any any sort of uh, activity or movement in uh, in Transnistria? And and as a follow up to that, uh, has there been any concrete action taken with regard to uh, Moldova's uh, energy uh, independence? Because I seem to recall that one of the issues was that the power plants uh, supplying electricity to Moldova were on the Transnistrian side. So has there been uh, any concrete measures being taken? To, to get uh, different sources of energy uh, to Moldova. I think there was a plan to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Antti. Uh, so, yeah, we've got uh, room for a few more speakers. If anyone wants to come up, uh, you guys got some uh, questions, comments about uh, new developments going on in Ukraine. Uh, we much appreciate I'm it. I'm sorry. Uh, is, is Vic still around? Uh, that was a question to Vic, if he's still around. Oh, sorry, Antti. Uh, we'll try to get Vic back up. Oh, he was already good. Okay. Yep. In the meantime, uh, if Vic wants to come back up and uh, answer Auntie's question, sorry about that, Auntie. Uh, then uh, otherwise, uh, what I was saying still stands. Uh, we're answering questions about Ukraine. If anyone does want to come up, so uh, I got one request. So I'm going to check it out right now. Okay, Luis, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to remind people that uh, it's end of the month or the beginning of a new month. So you have your paychecks on your accounts and uh, Maria can uh, always need uh, uh, everything that you can can give. Um, I uh, wasn't able uh, due to uh, personal issues, uh, wasn't able to be as much as I wanted to be here in the space the last uh, few weeks. That's why I, uh, I changed my monthly donation to Maria Aid. Um, that is uh, something that uh, people might not be aware of, that you can, uh, uh, on the process of donating, you can set it, set it up as a monthly donation. So uh, you don't have to worry about, uh, in the end of the month, uh, do it, doing it again. So... Uh, you can just check uh, the checkbox and uh, you will have a monthly donation. And I uh, yeah, I just wanted to remind you, paycheck arrived. So uh, please donate to Maria because the guys, as you already know, are doing amazing stuff and on the ground. Uh, I don't know if you saw the last deliveries that uh, were made to Ukraine with tourniquets, uh, uh, medical aid and that stuff like that. Um, it's, uh, s- simply saving lives in Ukraine. Uh, and, uh, if that's a way that we can help from, from outside, um, we, we should do it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I thank you in advance for, for that. 
And please, please, like I said, and say every time again, please put pressure on local officials, politicians, government, that we need more. Uh, the war is not over. The war is uh, um, as it awful it might sound uh, just started. And um, we have to put Ukraine on the situation that it can defend itself and defend uh, us also because Russia will not stop in Ukraine uh, if, uh, uh, if it succeeds. So we have to give them everything that we can to uh, stop the Russian aggression, raping, genocide, uh, murdering, torturing in Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you, Luis. And yeah, absolutely. 100% of your donations to Mary Aid will go to helping uh, Ukrainian soldiers get body armor, uh, thermal optics, uh, tourniquets, uh, tourniquets save lives. So uh, any donation helps. Uh, so we'll go to, we got a lot of speakers, so I'm going to try to get through them. Uh, we'll go with Peace for Ukraine and then uh, Joanne Dwyer. Go ahead, uh, Peace for Ukraine. Good afternoon. I think Joanne was before me. Okay, thank you. Go ahead, Joanne. Hi, very quick. I'm a United States citizen and I came here after the war started because as United States citizens, our education about the history of other countries is very, very deficient. Um, in high school, they offered us our history books for 50 cents at the end of the year. Um, I just threw mine away. I learned more history after I graduated from college and after I talked to people from other countries and after I traveled. Travel was the most important. Um, if United States citizens make well-meaning well well-meaning comments here, as I have done in the past, um, we do mean them well. We just have a very deficient education and we mean no harm we're just idiots about a lot of a lot of things and we're learning so i've been helped to learn here as i said the other night to ryan when are you going to send me a bill for the graduate course i'm getting right now so you can donate you can donate your payment for the education to maria a stone and that's a Yes, and that's exactly what Ryan said. Never, never lost a moment saying it. Well said. So you're a charm, Joanne. Much appreciated. So please have patience with us as we learn. We, we really did not. We studied what they call Western civilization. I must have studied about the Greeks and the Romans for eight consecutive years, never getting any further. Never got getting any further is the Korean War. We 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 just are idiots about anything that happened in a certain period of time. And unless we made an effort ourselves to learn, we didn't learn it. Especially because if like me, you were sidetracked into a science or technical track, you spent hours in labs and you were not required except to take one US history course a year, which ended up talking about the pilgrims every year. So forgive us our ignorance and help us learn. And I will say I have learned here. It's been an education and I thank all of you for it. Thank you, Joan. Yeah, I think it's true to the, to the extent that, you know, U.S. history uh, is education, I should say, is uh, somewhat deficient and we focus on domestic history mainly. And certainly, you know, U.S. history doesn't, uh, or American history education doesn't cover Russia in any real detail. Um, 
you know, I think most Americans probably wouldn't know that like the Russian Federation consists of other countries and doesn't just include Russians in it and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely true that we need to educate Americans a little bit more about what, what the modern Russian Federation is and how it's actually an empire and all these, you know, uh, historical, uh, facts that make it, uh, you know, the, the, the aggressor that it has become. I think that's, that's an important message. Exactly. And the continent of Africa didn't exist. Australia, New Zealand didn't exist. I didn't know about Australia and New Zealand and their roles in World War One and World War Two until I taught myself 10 years out of college. So still learning. That's my motto. You're never too low, old to learn, and I am still learning. And Joseph, what you said is very true. I'll step down now. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. Uh, peace for Ukraine. Go ahead. Good afternoon again to everyone. Um... That's the correct pronunciation. I have bits and pieces of information and I'll share it as I gather them. The first one would be by European Commission who has um, to facilitate the delivery of humanitarian goods has adopted a decision to waive custom duties and VAT on all imports of food, electric generators and other life-saving equipment destined for Ukrainians affected by the war. I think it's a very good thing and a very good gesture and I commend the European Commission to take it. Everything we can do to help Ukraine is is much appreciated and most welcome. And as much as we can, we should push for it and we should do it. Um, the other bit of information I have is I just noticed Jason J. Smart, um, special correspondent to the Kiev Post, which I believe was with us yesterday, if my memory serves, um, just posted a small note there was a strong explosion near the entrance of the Crimea-Russian bridge. I have not seen anything else uh, in Twitter or in any news feeds, but just to perhaps something is going on, and later on we'll find more good news. And what I do hope is that um, that so-called Russian Federation Army has a good will, quote-unquote, to let themselves be blasted to pieces uh, and then retreat from Crimean Bridge in all the occupied territories. Thank you. Thank you very much, Peace for Ukraine. Tell us how uh, our friends in Brussels, France, the Latin countries, are currently receiving the NATO summit. What do you think? What does the media say at the uh, from Portuguese and French perspective, um, what I can say is that it has been welcomed. Um, I know that in Portugal there's a very strong support for Ukraine, um, and uh, it has been welcomed. There is um, in Portugal what I saw a bit in the news is the sort of concern for the defense spending. How will that fit the budget? Uh, the adequation. Uh, what can we do? How far can we stretch? Um, what I saw the Prime Minister state is that uh, we will do the most possible to stretch the defense budget 
he has stated that in any case, um, Portugal is aligned with with uh, NATO and Ukraine's allies and partners to help Ukraine to to the very last moment, which uh, which is a position that I appreciate and I encourage and I do like this 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 posture. Yesterday, what I saw is that in a one minute forty five seconds excerpt from uh, Macron, he actually that was relayed by BFM TV. I actually tweeted about it. He actually gave a pretty good speech to exiting um, NATO's um, NATO summit and uh, where he was quite clear in his uh, in his terms um, mentioning that um, well actually um, we support Ukraine to the very last minute uh, pay no attention to the lies that are being spread by um, by some people um, that uh, could make you want to believe um, that this war and its consequence would be linked to a hypothetical will of the West or NATO to impose itself to the rest of the world. And he, said, he states it is a lie that seeks to invert reality in order to justify aggression and take advantage of its consequence. It's not about the West versus the rest. It's about war or peace. And ends, France, its allies, its European partners have only one side, that of peace, democracy and respect for international law. It is Ukraine, which today is defending it with all its might. It is not. Ukraine is not part of NATO, Article 5 does not apply, but the fight it leads to defend itself is ours. Our security is at stake, so we will support Ukraine for as long as it takes. And I liked that finally, finally, Macron, as you call it, accent, finally had a strong speech that in no such manner, uh, I think it was clear, I think I just wish, and I tweeted about it, um, I just wish that he stops the calls. It makes no sense for him to make calls to Moscow. It's ridiculous. He should stop it. And I think maybe because today, just after that, he did state that he's going to send more six more Caesars as well as additional equipment to reinforce and to help Ukraine in what they need. So I think both his speech and the action that followed of sending, or I hope it's on its way if I'm not already there, I hope that that is clear to Moscow and to anyone that um, it doesn't matter what they try to to lie to to 